Welcome back to Turf Show Times, the podcast. And I am Kenneth Arthur. Make sure you are subscribed to Turf Show Times somewhere out there in the world. You've got a podcast app. This is a podcast. And if you want to hear about the Rams every week, this is a place to do it. So hit subscribe so you don't miss anything. We've got instant reactions after the games. We've got previews. And today, on August 29, 2022, less than 24 hours until final cuts are due. We're going to be talking about the Rams 53-man roster, thoughts about bubble players, last in, last out, needs, all that stuff with the Buffalo Bills on deck here for the opening game of the 2022 NFL season. That'll be Thursday, September 8th against the Buffalo Bills at SoFi Stadium. So let's start here. I'm with Chris Daniel. I'm with JB Scott. You know them from Turf Show Times. You know them from podcasting with me and others. And that's what we're going to do here today. Let's just start talking about the Rams. I'll start with you, Chris. As far as now that we've got three preseason games in the bucket, we've got uh, some more awareness of the players who have done well and maybe those that haven't quite shown what they might need to show here, whether this is their third or fourth training camp. What is your final thought there as maybe a guy who has snuck up here in the last week to secure his place on the final roster? Well, good evening and good afternoon, gentlemen. Um, so I'm a big fan of Pierre. Pierre has been going crazy the last few weeks, especially uh, especially last game. Pierre Thomas. Uh, I'm excited to to hopefully see him make the roster, um, and I'm excited to hopefully see his growth down the line. He, he may make the roster, but I. Don't anticipate him making any waves this season, but I like the effort. That effort, you, you can't coach effort. He has it. How do you think that you kind of identify that effort? Is it just, uh, you know, seeing his motor up into the whistle? Is it exactly. his speed, all that kind of stuff? Yeah, where do you see that coming nope. into play? It's that motor. He's He's got a bit of a motor to him, um, and he seems like he really – wants to hit the quarterback. Um, and I like that in the defender. And in the the, the red zone sack he had against the Bengals um, in the last preseason game, where the, the play was extended a little bit due to great coverage, and he did not give up. And if you go back and look at that play, in my opinion, and, you know, I'd say last, last podcast, you know, I'm, I'm a fan of Chris Garrett. But if you look at the two, the, the effort level is a bit different on that particular play. And I do believe that Chris Garrett does have a motor, you know, give him, give him a little bit of slack. May have been a little out of shape coming back uh, his first preseason game this season. But yeah, just like you said, to start off with his effort and hustle throughout to the whistle. How about you for, for you, JB, with regards to starting with Keir Thomas, did he, was he somebody that has climbed maybe in the last week or two from not on your 53 man roster to on your 53 man roster? And if so, who does that kick out? Yeah. Keir Thomas is definitely in the conversation. He's, he's borderline. He's probably been the most consistent edge rusher that we've seen on defense. You know, all eyes coming into the preseason were on Chris Garrett and Daniel Hardy, former seventh round picks and, Really, Kira Thomas was on the radar at all, and he's been the best of the bunch. So, um, of course, 
both dealing with injuries, Hardy and Garrett. But uh, Garrett, we haven't seen since last preseason. He's come back on the field. And I thought he flashed at times, too. He, Yeah, like Chris said, he was dropping into coverage. I think that might be the Rams testing his limits. I don't think if he's on the field during the regular season, he's going to be a pass rush specialist. You're not going to see him drop into coverage on a, on a regular basis. So um, maybe the team just want to see if he was capable at all there. But, yeah, Thomas, if he doesn't make the final 53, he's definitely a practice squad candidate. Uh, maybe Hardy has some sort of injury designation, and that creates another opening. Uh, but I think Chris Garrett should be safe just on based off what we've seen from him uh, Saturday night. And, you know, it was his first action uh, since last preseason, so he definitely needed a chance to knock the rust off too. Hey, can I ask you something real quick, JB? Do you sure, go for think, it. Do you think he clears waivers? Because I don't think if we let him go, I don't think we're going to get a chance to get him on the practice squad. Yeah, I mean, you have other you have other guys there. Um, most likely, the fourth or fifth edge rushers are going to see the field during the regular season. It's mm. probably not a huge loss. Those edge rushers have to be such elite, high caliber athletes, anyways. That uh, even if Kier Thomas does make the the team, uh, he's probably not going to see. He's not going to be you know uh, used as a pass rush specialist or anything like that in a meaningful way, probably, anyways. So, his special teams is more important. I think Chris Garrett might have the edge there. Yeah, this is such an interesting time of year, and that question was the same one that I had, Chris, and that's always a question when we're talking about some of these players, and, you know, it's so difficult just for a team to cut down to 53 players in all 32 cases. It's so difficult to cut down. So, yeah, it's such an important question to know, is there a team out there willing to look in the, into the eyes of somebody that they have fostered through all of this offseason, maybe through several offseasons, maybe for many years, and say, we're cutting you for this undrafted free agent rookie who had a good preseason or whatever it is. It's just you got to stand out in such a way that someone's willing to do that to someone on their team. And we know that teams will pick up players and that there will be claims. Feels like a lot of those guys, you know, for anybody like Keir Thomas or Lance McCutcheon, it's not very long ago that all of these teams spent years and then months and millions of dollars or whatever it is into preparing for the draft every year. And here they are. And just uh, six months ago, less said, yeah, we don't think you're a draft pick, which doesn't mean that these guys don't turn into valuable players. And we've seen some of the best, you know, go that route and get cut and picked up by another team. Keir Thomas definitely to me seems like a guy who's a stands a greater chance of getting onto the practice squad than Lance McCutcheon and Lance McCutcheon is a guy who has taken over the news, the Rams news. You know, we don't get any of the starters or the role players in the preseason. So who takes the news? Well, it's going to be whoever the best player is. And right now that is by far Lance McCutcheon uh, starting with UJB, just because I started with Chris the last time I like to rotate. I'm a bit of a rotisserie guy. I want to ask you, as far as Lance McCutcheon, we know that it's almost to, to anyone in the media or any of the fans, it's basically a lock after seeing what he's done. Do you see scenarios where Lance McCutcheon actually does get cut and we've been overrating him? Well, I, he has some flash on special teams, and I think that's so important when you're talking about the back end of the roster and in that wide receiver room. Uh, ben Skronik is one of the best special teams players on the roster. So is Jacob Harris. And you just wonder, and it's a numbers game, right? But how does Lance McCutcheon fit into that uh, that mold? And I'm not exactly sure we know the answer, but he's he's been so good through the preseason. Um, he has a skill set that not a lot of Rams receivers have. 
outside of Allen Robinson, that contested catchability. And that's really something that it comes into, but it's helpful all the time, whether it's the red zone or pushing the ball down the field. So he's definitely someone you want to keep around. I think, I think he's a lock to make the roster probably. Um, maybe the more, the better question is when do we see him on the field in games that actually count could be sooner than later, just based on what he's shown. Yeah. It's very tough to project when a Lance McCutcheon will ever get that opportunity in 2022. We, uh, we did see last year, if we, if there was a Lance McCutcheon on the Rams last year, he would have been playing in those playoffs. He would have been playing a lot in that Super Bowl because we saw Ben Skoranek. And it is kind of a curious case. I mean, Skoranek was a seventh round pick. It's basically an undrafted free agent, but the team loves him enough to the point to be like, you're not even fighting for a role. You know, that wasn't even something I, if memory serves me right, that it was afforded to Nick Scott in his second year. There was still sort of more of a fight, whereas Skoranek, it's like a given. And so obviously the team's very high on what he's able to do. Chris, do you think that Lance McCutcheon is somebody that can pass through waivers? Uh, absolutely not. But I agree with everything that JB said. I haven't seen anything pop off with him in terms of special teams, but what he's shown when he's out on the field on offense is, I'm not, again, I don't want to go with the special word, but he was very consistent. And what he did well in college translated to the NFL, at least in the preseason. I don't think there's any way that he clears waivers. Uh, and I think he is as close to a lock to making the 53 as anyone on the back end of the roster. Yeah. But just like, just like JB said, yeah, sorry. J just like JB said, he's going to have to show up on special teams during the regular season. That's going to be his thing, primary yeah. role. I mean, that is also uh, something that Jacob Harris was, you know, praised for going into the draft. And, and I think that that is something where Jacob Harris may have an advantage there in addition to the, to the year of work with the Rams that he has. So, you know, it looks like Jacob Harris is going to be on the roster for sure. Lance McCushion, I think we're just as close on him. You know, I, I've seen a lot of preseason. I've always tried to be the most like, you know, as much as I can be like, like, okay, let me try and look at it this objectively and try and take a, the most rational, logical approach possible. And that's why I've always tried to caution readers and fans against getting their hopes up based on preseason performance. This is preseason, you know, players need to stand out, like I said, and you know, there are skills where it's like, okay, this skill is going to help this type of player, or this type of receiver in a preseason situation, but doesn't necessarily apply to the value that teams need going into the season. And there's so much else that goes into a receiver other than can make good catches. That's something that's almost expected of you. If you even make it to the NFL at any level, however, all that being said, I feel like Lance McCutcheon is different. I feel like he is an NFL player. And I do think if he gets cut and another team picks him up, there are openings in the NFL right now where Lance McCutcheon, I believe, can step in and be a contributor and be a player who can get targets and be playing on Sundays right away, even though, yeah, maybe his full skill set doesn't translate like to what the Rams are looking at right now. Not everyone's got Allen Robinson, Cooper Cup, Tutu Atwell, Van Jefferson, Ben Skoranek. You know, he's in a pretty difficult situation here, but it looks like another steal for less need. I mean, who do you, uh, if you guys had to go day three or later since Sean McVay took over, who would you say is your, uh, maybe your favorite 
uh, day three or later pick. I'll start with you, Chris, from 2017 Ooh. to now. I, I hate to be a prisoner of the moment. I really do. Um, but just off the top, he he's my my guy that I would pick. But if you gave me some time, I may rethink that. But right now, I have to go with, with Lance. Yeah, same question for me. And I think Jordan Fuller maybe has the highest ceiling of all the day three picks in the Sean McVay era. But the problem is he can't stay on the field. He has a lengthy injury history. Um, you wonder, he's, he doesn't have the green dot anymore. Bob, Bobby Wagner's taking over those duties. Um, just wonder if he sticks around. I mean, his contract's going to be up in a couple of years. But uh, Jordan Fuller, I think he has that, uh, the ceiling to be an elite level player at the safety position. And he plays a you know, a very important role in this, this new Vic Fangio, Brandon Staley defense that the Rams are running. Yeah. I mean, that was a guy that kind of got lost in the shuffle. He continues to kind of get lost in the shuffle too. I mean, doing my top 20 Rams list, you know, it's just so hard for a player to even move up into the top 10, the top 12, but in, in Fuller's case, you know, it's kind of like, what does he need to do this year to be like, wow, this is, I mean, at least you would go to the level, well, okay, this is a John Johnson type of value. Is there something higher than a John Johnson that's inside of Jordan Fuller? What do you think, Chris? Mm, John Johnson, I really, I really like John Johnson. I don't know if I don't know if Jordan Fuller has that, but the Rams have been able to kind of manipulate the safety position. So that's one reason why I just feel like with all due respect, his production is replaceable to an extent. Um, he did, just like you said, he had the green dot last year. You bring in Bobby Wagner, you expect him to have the green dot. We had to reach out to um, Eric Weddle to come in and come off the, not even the bench, the retirement couch to, to come on in and play for us down the stretch of the playoffs. I feel like the safety position is something that the Rams have been able to show consistently that they can work around. So I'm not even sure if Jordan Fuller is Jordan Fuller as good as we think he might be, or is it the scheme that allows the safeties to shine to an extent? You know? Yeah, no. Yeah. That's a good question. That's, and I think, this is the first time since uh, Wade Phillips, you know, in when 2019 that Sean McVay has had a defensive coordinator for two years in a row. Um, so it's kind of interesting also to think about what, how Raheem Morris is going to change things to what extent, you know, based also on personnel. I mean, it's the first time that Sean McVay and I think McVay or Snead or Morris, one of those guys said something in the preseason, I think on one of the cams about, how, you know, just never really had a guy like Bobby Wagner before. So we don't really, this is all kind of new to us too, but we had to get a talent like this at inside linebacker. Um, if, if we're moving it up forward uh, and we you know, talking about um, Bobby Wagner and the inside linebacker and, and not having that edge player like Von Miller this year, JB, how much do you think that that changes uh, Raheem Morris's plans and, and you know, uh, intentions with the defense this year? Yeah, I have no idea what to expect, really, with how they're going to use those two middle linebackers between Bobby Wagner and Ernest Jones. Um, Jones really flashed down the stretch in the Super Bowl. 
He's so long, he can break up those passing lanes. So maybe in this later stage of Bobby Wagner's career, if he's struggling in the coverage front, maybe Jones is able to step up in that facet. And, you know, you have, you have all these teams around the NFL that are adopting heavier personnel usage, like the Buffalo Bills, who you play for week one, for example. They're going to be running a lot of two tight end sets. doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be running the ball more often, but they're putting these heavier players on the field, more tight ends, more fullbacks. And Bobby Wagner is well-suited to, you know, combat those, those larger personnel packages. And I think that's going to be really interesting. Um, you're, you're kind of a step ahead of the pivot in a way. And I think it, it could be really fascinating to see how that unfolds. Um, you know, maybe if you flash back to the Super Bowl against the Patriots, where they put those heavy, the Patriots put the heavier personnel packages on the field, spread them out and threw the ball down the field. That's really when Wade defense's defense broke, right? Wade Phillips' defense broke. Um, now you're kind of a step ahead of that. You have Ernest Jones, you have Bobby Wagner. Um, you really have the per, uh, personnel and you have such deep personnel at all these positions that you can um, be a step ahead of the pivot, essentially. I think it's going to be exciting to watch it. Yeah, what about you, Chris? What do you think of uh, having Bobby Wagner added? I feel like now is the perfect time to bring in that special word. I think this defense is going to be special. Um, it's going to be different from last year, but I think they will still be able to generate pressure off the edge, never discount the Aaron Donald effect. Um, and the run defense, while it wasn't bad last year, I feel like it's going to be so much more improved with Bobby Wagner right in the middle of that defense. Are you are you going to run right at AD and, mm. and Bobby Wagner? No. You know, we do have speed on the edge, so now we're talking about Leonard Floyd chasing down runs, which he's shown consistently that he can do. Mm-hmm. I, it, this defense is going to be special. I think it's going to be a defense that may force you to go to the air, and now you're dealing with a loaded secondary. I think this defense is going to be a top tier, a top tier of the top tier of defenses this season. Yeah, I do think that the defense uh, is kind of a, a sleeper in a bit, you know, of a regard and could potentially be even, I think, better than the offense, depending on, you know, how things shake out. But I definitely see that kind of a ceiling. I think when we talk about how the Rams have a needed outside linebacker or edge or, you know, oh, we don't know exactly what's going to happen with Justin Hollins and Terrell Lewis. And, you know, you kind of overlook the fact that Aaron Donald exists and no other team has Aaron Donald. So it's not exactly like the Rams don't have a pass rush or that it's a huge problem that there isn't two edge rushers. The idea being there's Aaron Donald and nobody else has Aaron Donald. So hopefully to that effect, you know, and also we know Donald always one of the league leaders in double teams and triple teams. And, you know, obviously that opens up lanes for Leonard Floyd. I believe he had five or six unblocked sacks last year, which I think was second most in the NFL. And if you've got Leonard Floyd on one side and Aaron Donald on another and Bobby Wagner hanging out too, uh, should make that job easier for Hollins or Lewis, whoever it may be, you would think. So, yeah, I agree. There's a lot of uh, kind of interesting options here on the defense. Speaking of which, you know, other teams as we speak are making cuts and potentially putting players on the trade block. And some of those names are out there that we've talked about for the last week, if not weeks. And, you know, some of them coming to a head here. I think if the Rams really wanted to, fortify the offensive line it would be with some 
vital, interesting offensive line castaways or pickoffs from other teams, just depending on cost, of course, and, and the ways that it would take to make those deals happen. Where I am talking about reserves here, but I do think that we could be looking at reserves, you know, at any point, and that could be a big difference here for the Rams. And then you've got Sony Michelle was released by the Dolphins yes. on Monday, uh, and he fits an obvious need for the Rams if they don't feel great about Jake Funk. Chris, I hear uh, 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 some approval there. Why don't you talk about Sony Michelle? Please call Sony Michelle. Um, you know, I've, I told you last week, I, I've never really been a huge Jake Funk guy. Love the name, but not a, a big fan of the game. And with all due respect, we all know that backup offensive line didn't do him or any of the other running backs any favors. Right. Right. But he averaged two and a half yards this preseason. Trey Regis averaged three and a half yards, all right, with a touchdown. That's going to add up over time. It's not a big difference, all right, but it's, a, it's an entire yard. That yeah. could be the yard that moves the sticks on third and one. You know, I'm not a, I'm not a big fan of Jay Funk uh, on the offense. Now, of course, we have to switch back over to special teams. He's a special teamer. I get it. I get it. But we've seen Cam Akers miss time his rookie season. We've seen Cam Akers pull off a Herculean effort to come back from an injury, but miss essentially the entire year last year. We've seen Daryl Henderson go down when he's called upon. So at some point, we have to look at that third running back, who at this point may be Kyron Williams, which I'm a huge fan of, um, and he didn't get any work against the Bengals, so that may tell us something right there. Mm. But I would like to kick the tires on on Sony Michelle just to see if that's something that we can work out financially. Familiar with the scheme, obviously, doesn't hurt that he was a contributing factor down the. Uh, people forget when we plugged Sony Michelle in in against Jacksonville, and yes, it was Jacksonville, but that changed the physicality of the offense. He sparked something for us last year that we were missing with Daryl Henderson. And I, I like Daryl Henderson. But that physicality, he knows how to win. Two-time Super Bowl champion, still young. I think that's someone, that's the person that's highest on my list that I want to go kick the tires on. What do you think, JB? We got Sonny Michelle out there, familiar name. But also, I'm going to ask you both, and I'll start with you, JB, to add on to this. What is your Cam Akers prediction? You know, if he's, you know, you don't have to necessarily, we, we can't predict their health and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, what's your expectation? And do you think he can be like a, like a significantly great back? Yeah, I mean, Sean McVay is the biggest fan of Cam Akers, and I think that says a lot. If he's able to shoulder the load, and average, you know, three to three and a half to four yards a carry. I think he's going to be the feature back. And we'll see Daryl Henderson using a complimentary role, which is always the intention when the Rams draft him in the third round was that he'd be a complimentary piece to Todd Gurley, right? And then at, at times, you know, over the course of his career, he's been asked to be a primary running back and it's really taken a toll on him. And that's really, you know, diminished his effectiveness over time. So I think that's when he gets dinged up. That's when he misses time. So I think in a perfect world, Cam Akers takes over as a lead back and never turns never turns around. But uh, we've seen the, we've seen him get dinged up from you know time and time again. And uh, you just wonder, you know, behind Cam Akers and Daryl Henderson is is a uh, Kyron Williams, who we haven't seen at all this preseason. 
apparently he did pretty well in the joint practices against the Cincinnati Bengals, but you really just got to, you got to take that with a grain of salt, of course. Um, but apparently he's, he's played well enough to leapfrog Jake Funk. And it really is a major question at this point, whether Funk can make the final roster. Um, if yeah. there's veteran options out there, like Sony Michelle, maybe you're able to offload someone like Jake Funk. I'd even throw a name out there like Buffalo Zach Moss as a trade candidate, possibly uh, just because he may be more of a, a pass catcher, uh, dual threat type running back than Michelle is at this point in his career. Yeah, you know, and ultimately the Rams are in that position at running back that they are at a lot of positions, which is it's easy to be concerned about the backups, but then the starters, starters look pretty good. I definitely think the Cam Akers, I don't know what to think. You know, it's kind of funny. He he came into the draft and there was a lot of talk about this horrible play, offensive line he played at at Florida State. And then, you know, he gets hurt and kind of, you know, works his way up the depth chart over the course of his rookie season. And then, uh, and then of course, suffers the injury last year. So here we are. Uh, in his third season and, and it's still kind of a mystery because we fl- he's flashed that greatness and then also we just don't really know what to expect post-injury what is your expectation chris i i am a, a little bit concerned about the achilles just because i haven't i don't have a database to draw from where i can say oh yeah that running back towards achilles and still had a great career after that i'm not saying it hasn't happened but i can't recall one um given his health assumed i think that he can be um a big time piece in the offense a, a consistent piece in the offense he's shown that he can catch out the backfield you know he's if he were to stay healthy he's going to definitely rack up the yards and the touchdowns you know the rams love to pound that rock when they get inside the five i don't see like he, I re, I, my lasting memory of, of Cam Akers is that playoff game against Seattle. Because when we drafted Cam Akers, I say we, when the Rams drafted Cam Akers, my thought was, how is he going to be going up against Bobby Wagner? That was legitimately my first thought. And then to see him play against the Seahawks and be dominant, dominant against the Seahawks in the playoffs, he has what it takes to be an elite running back. It's just, is his body going to hold up? And more specifically, is he going to be able to bounce back from that Achilles? Because when he came back, he didn't have a he didn't have any great performances, you know? Now, in fairness, again, he missed the entire season. So it would be unfair to expect him to step right back into where he picked up with that Seattle game and the game against the Packers in the playoff. But if he's healthy... He's definitely going to be the lead back, and he's definitely going to make us not even really look at the depth behind him. Yeah. Uh, JB, I put uh, Chris on the spot a moment ago. Let me try to put you on the spot, and then I'll come back to you, Chris. You'll you'll be the one to have more time to think. But uh, JB, as far as Tuesday's final cuts go, is who's somebody on the the Rams roster right now that you'll be very excited to see has made the roster? Maybe like a surprise, like, kind of a surprise hey wow okay i'll be really excited if he makes it and uh who's somebody that maybe you'll be a little disappointed you know in a nice way if they make the roster sure i think i'll go at the same position so i'll go at tackle and whenever you just look at the remaining years on their contract left you know you're in your comparing side by side rookie ajr curie and veteran bobby evans 
you know, if you keep our Curry, he's a little bit of a developmental prospect, right? He might not be ready to play immediately, but he has four years, four seasons left on his contract. Bobby Evans is going to be gone after this year, or he's going to be a free agent, and you probably aren't keeping him. So does it, do you need a veteran who can play right now and maybe not ex- at a level that's acceptable? We'd have, we, Bobby Evans didn't play too well during the preseason, right? Or do you just take a bit of a risk and say, this guy's a project, but he's worth having on the roster for the long term? Because A.J. Carey looks the part. He's tall. Uh, he's very physical. And, you know, I think he's someone you want to keep around for a while and see if you can bring out the high end of his, you know, development possibly. Yeah, you've got AJ Akiri. Uh, what did you think about Max Percher? Obviously, there was a lot of love for him uh, in the third game. Uh, just curious, really quick there. I, I don't know that I know that there's no real expectation to have Percher make the roster. I also, you know, it's one of those things where even though he's a practice squad exemption, he still, I believe, has to be put at risk um, for a moment this year as opposed to last year. Uh, he'll have to be put at risk. I don't see another team picking up, but then again, tackle is such an important and a difficult to find position that I I really don't know. So what are your, what were your quick thoughts on uh, Percher? Yeah, he played eight snaps against the Bengals, which was his NFL debut. Seven of those plays were running plays and the other, and there's one pass. So not exactly the way you want to judge a tackle, but um, looking at his PFF grades right now, he, he, he fared pretty well. So limited action, maybe not enough to entice another team to pick him up. So maybe that was a strategic move by Sean McVay and company to, you know, not expose him to the waiver process. So you get that practice squad exemption. Um, or maybe he's just not ready for the NFL. Yeah. Like, I wonder, both ways, probably. Yeah. I wonder if, if maybe even teams are kind of like have like a silent agreement, like, Hey, don't do that. That's kind of bad etiquette. Um, but you never know. Teams don't really play nice all the time. So, uh, Chris, who's someone that maybe you would be surprised in a good way to see on the roster. Maybe you're hoping for, and, and, and then the other way around someone who would be taking that spot. All right. So I'm, I'm going to kind of pick right up where we left off. I want to see Mac. I want to see Max Percher on the six on the 53. Mm. Um, you know, I just I feel like you can never have an, too many defensive linemen and you can never have too many offensive linemen. Is he going to come in and play? Please no. Just like JB said, he's not ready for the NFL yet, you know, but everybody has had good things to say about him. And I really like um, um, Big Wit, Andrew Whitworth, coming to his defense and saying that the guy is improving. You know, the guy is getting better day by day. He takes coaching really well. Uh, I just love, and you know me, I love the offensive line. That's not the sexy response, um, but I want to I, w- I want to see him. And nobody's going to have him in the 53, I don't think, um, because he does have that exemption. But the risk, and it's really not even that big of a risk for the Rams because he, he's so unproven, eight snaps to his, to his name. Yeah, no one's it's unlikely that someone's going to pick him up, but just to avoid that risk, I'd like to see him on the 53. I am going to get salted <laughs> for saying that. Uh-huh. Um, and then someone that I'm not necessarily excited for. We kind of talked about it. I, I, I'm not too excited about Jake Funk uh, yeah. being on that 53. 
Yeah, it's uh, those are interesting names to be looking out for. And I think every year, you know, whether it's the Rams, other teams, there's going to be a lot of names around the league on Tuesday where all these weeks have passed by of training camp, not a peep about some names. It's like, you know, the media can only learn so much from what's going on. And all of a sudden it's, oh, so I guess the the Rams are keeping Austin Trammell or Landon Akers. You know, it's some random off-the-wall thing where then all of a sudden now the reports are Rams have been so happy with this player for weeks and so on and so forth. And so it all comes out. I don't, you know, I don't expect, obviously I don't expect either of those players to make the roster, uh, but it's kind of an example of, you never know when, when one of these out of nowhere names comes out of nowhere. So uh, that is something that could possibly happen. And then cuts, of course, surprise cuts will be abound Um, before we cut out this podcast and uh, get out of here for this episode of turf show times. uh, Let's just do a quick talk here. Uh, say your piece about maybe how you feel coming out of the preseason. Are you more optimistic about the Rams? Are you the same optimistic as you were about the Rams? Now that we've seen not any of the players who are going to play in the season necessarily, um, but football is back. You've gotten some intel here on the rest of the NFC West with Jimmy Garoppolo staying with the 49ers for now. And that wasn't too surprising to me, but it is still surprising. And that's something that's transpiring. Maybe it says something about Trey Lance. Maybe it doesn't. I don't really read it into it that much. Um, But Chris, out of free, starting with you, um, after this preseason and training camp, how do you feel about the Rams? Uh, I mean, I feel the same way that I felt going into it. I feel like the the Rams were loaded. Um, There are some positions that especially once you get past that starting that's those starter roles specifically speaking about the offensive line there are questions but you look at this look at the team position by position and they're loaded they have tough decisions to make all across the board i'm confident in the team there i have no reason not to be confident in the team now i'm not sitting here saying that they're going to run the table or anything like that but I, definitely another deep playoff push. And and just if I can, one thing about preseason in general, I love preseason football. It's like it's, you're watching people fight for their careers. You know, it's, it's almost like American Idol with a little bit of approved violence. I love preseason football, but I am very excited to see what we do when we take the field against the Bills and everyone else. I think that you just sold the preseason better than the NFL ever has. And uh, I'm surprised they, they needed to steal that from you. JB, uh, what are your thoughts Rams post preseason? Yeah. If you had to pick a position to be the weakest out on offense, I think running back's a smart way to do it. It's one of the least valuable positions in all of football. And even if Cam Akers, Dale Henderson, Kyron Williams don't shake out, there's going to be options as we see these teams cut almost 30 players over the course of the next week and they trade teams. Um, there's going to be options to add a veteran, you know, Sonny Michelle's already available, maybe make a trade. Um, it's, you know, you're, if you have the loaded wide receiver core and they're so deep, you're going to be okay. If you can't really depend on the running game and on defense, you have a lot of options at edge too. Um, maybe Justin Hollins or Trell Lewis takes a major step forward. I think Chris Garrett really showed flashes on Saturday night. Wonder what kind of role he's in store for in 2022, but you know, the team's been very open about potentially trading for an elite 
pass rush specialist, maybe like a Jonathan Grenard or, you know, who knows what who it could be. Maybe the Lions have some options too as well. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. I think the Rams are just as good as they were last year, and they have as good a chance of repeating as any team has in the last decade or so. Yeah, I agree with that. Even if maybe even more, I think, uh, yeah, it's a pretty clear shot to uh, a good seed in the NFC. I mean, if the Rams don't win the NFC West, uh, I guess you could argue that the 49ers and the Cardinals have some case to be made going into the season for sure. You know, I'm not, I'm not ending all things, but I think it would be disappointing for the Rams for sure to not, you know, come out ahead in the division. And I look around the NFC and I think, to me, it's it's a collision course. Rams, Packers, these te- seem to be the two teams that have it all. I I do think even without the receivers in Green Bay, I think Aaron Rodgers and the defense is really really strong this year. So we'll see how that shakes up, and they'll play, and and we'll see what happens there, and we'll see what happens in a couple of weeks against the Bills, and we'll see what happens in Final Cut. So that's coming up soon at uh, with the Rams, and we'll have it all at Turf Show Times. So go to TurfShowTimes.com, hit subscribe on this podcast. You can find the work there of Chris Daniel and JB Scott and myself, Kenneth Arthur all kinds of coverage it's going to be the best season ever at turf show times as the rams do seem to have a pretty good shot also of repeating that's it for this episode of turf show times come back after final cuts for a check-in again on the next episode of turf show times the podcast